When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Post Questionnaire. 35 questions giving us insight into what makes creative people tick. Bonjour, Uli. How are you? Oh, Caroline, it is a pleasure to see you today. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like some of the professors we took classes from in graduate school together, that very strong Pepe Le Pew accent that I sometimes feel I should have cultivated as a French professor. But yes, it's a <laughs> French kind of day because we have a French kind of guest. Yes, exciting. Tell us about the guest because you've actually done a lot of events and activities at the Albertine Bookstore in New York City, which is the bookstore for French books, Francophone literature, culture in Manhattan. Yes, and our guest today, Miriam Briden, or Miriam Briden, is the deputy director of the Albertine Bookstore. And it's a very special place. It's devoted to French books in both French and English. And it's really become an outpost of French and Francophone culture in New York City. It's housed in the Cultural Services Building of the French Embassy on the Upper East Side. Albertine has an active Instagram and Twitter presence. It's all one word, Albertine Books is the handle. And yeah, I got to know Miriam from doing events at Albertine I, um, as a French literature professor and the author of some books about French literary figures. And my most recent book, Proust Duchess, was on Marcel Proust. The one before that, Queen of Fashion, was about Marie Antoinette. And Albertine Books is also really a wonderful supporter of authors like me who've devoted their life to the study of French literature, history, and culture. And my favorite uh, experience with Miriam is the fact that she and I um, have co-hosted and co-run some of the Albertine French Book Club meetings together over the last few years. So uh, Miriam, as she'll tell us, I'm sure when we talk to her today, is an absolute book worm, book fanatic, loves reading, reads everything, and really has that gift that I think you and I as professors aspire to have of making books come alive for the people that she's talking to and um, discussing the books with. So uh, she was just a delightful person to do these book club meetings with at Albertine in their beautiful space designed by the famous French interior designer Jacques Garcia. And I think she'll be a really, really interesting and delightful person for us to speak with today. So I think that's really wonderful. And that kind of bookstore, that presence in New York City, but for a lot of people around the the world can really tune in because they have, as you said, book clubs and reading. So we'll repeat this. It's Albertine uh, Books, so A-L-B-E-R-T-I-N. 
and e-books on Twitter, or on Instagram. You can find out what they're doing. You can also get some ideas for things to read that maybe don't come across in your Amazon recommendations. And um, I also want to point out your your Instagram is Caroline Weber 2020, the numerals 2020, and the Post Questionnaire has an Instagram page. Uh, it's post.questionnaire. I'm on Instagram, Uli NYC. Uh, Olivia Twitter. I just dabble in French literature and teach Baudelaire kind of surreptitiously without being appointed in a French department. So I, I have my <laughs> own favorite. So I just do the kind of, um, you know, I sort of like <laughs> I sneak in and have conversations with you about Proust, although no one authorized me to do that ever. So <laughs> I think that's the joy of our job at our age, Uli, which is being professors in our 50s now, nobody's going to tap us on the shoulder anymore and tell us we're not allowed to do that. I like to kind of sneak into your world surreptitiously and occasionally try to teach Kulderlin or Nietzsche so, uh, or Kafka. So it's, it's fun, these kind of cross-cultural exchanges you and I get to have in our, in our classrooms. And, and Miriam, for me, really epitomizes that for New York City. She is at the center of, and she meets every French writer who comes to New York, every important figure in French culture. Uh, she's also, I believe, um, a, a kind of an active contributor to their social media presence. And so she's really somebody who will help us in this age of lockdown and where we're all stuck at home. And I, you know, for the last 30 years, I've been traveling every summer to France. I won't get to do it this summer. This is someone who will really, I think, open some windows on the world for us today. Yeah, so it's great. So we'll have a conversation. Uh, it started with post with uh, someone who's representing French culture in the world. First of all, Miriam, thank you so much for being here and joining Caroline and me on the post questionnaire. Hello, Miriam. How are you? Very well. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's great to see you on Zoom. Um, so you're in Brooklyn. I'm in Manhattan. Caroline is in Connecticut, I saw on your Instagram, uh, Carrie, that you were putting vegetables out in the garden. So that's exciting. I was very envious about that. I, I am, yeah. And I just did a, uh, a vegetable and herb exchange with my neighbors down the street. They brought me uh, an incredible loaf of, of freshly baked bread and just some arugula. And I gave them you know, all the herbs and vegetables that were edible in my garden. So I need to find a way to get some of that back to you all in the city. I planted this stuff because I was afraid it would be hard to get out to get groceries and things. And it's, right. uh, it it's come in handy. To see in the same thing that I looked at, um, Albertine, um, you guys are doing readings and events during the lockdown. So that's great that um, you can see you're, you're kept on being busy, right? We, we kept on being busy. Actually, we kept, we, we kept two kinds of events up children um, story hour with Hervé Tulay. We had two, two workshops that were really fun. fun. And we also kept uh, the, book, the book club, which moved on Zoom. And uh, that, that has, it's been pretty lovely to be able to discuss, keep our, a connection with our members, keeping, keeping them engaged with, uh, with books, with literature, and uh, yeah. So, so uh, we're going to put those links to Albertine Books. Thank you so um, much. On, on our podcast, of course. And Caroline, Caroline Weber 2020. People can look at your vegetables also on Instagram, which is <laughs> I'm not selling them yet, but if uh, the university folds, that might be in my future. Exactly. So I'm going to start, um, I think I'll start today. Is that okay? So I'll start with the first question. Yeah. Miriam, uh, what is your idea of perfect happiness? My idea of perfect happiness is very simple. 
just a summer cabin in the countryside, near walking distance from a, a, a pond with pristine water, and the cabin filled up with good books. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> like a rural version of Albertine, maybe? <laughs> exactly. Uh, less uh, the luxury. I, 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 I won't ask uh, Jacques Garcia to decorate my, my cabin. It can just be a wooden cabin. <laughs> that would be a very different kind of country retreat. Uh, and yeah, Miriam, I just want to say too, it's so nice for us to have on the Proust questionnaire uh, a representative of Albertine Books in New York. We, uh, the Proust connection is one that we like to underscore when we can, even though uh, knowledge of Proust is not required and we don't even have to talk about him today. Um, what is your greatest fear? Um, I have many right now, but I think the greatest oh. remain climate change. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's a climate change, and uh, um, um, yeah, and a good link with Albertine would be that it was a team, the the main team of our um, festival last year, and it was wonderful to have all these uh, French and, and American uh, intellectuals coming to the bookstore and discussing what to do, how to take on it, and if there's still hope, and what are the what what are the daily actions that that we can do at our very little. <laughs> scale to try to to change the, the direction of, that we're, we're taking. Are there any particular actions that you learned about from that uh, from that to, that have changed what you do even while you're in lockdown or? Uh, yes we, 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 we basically stopped eating meat. <laughs> yeah that's a good one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jonathan Safran Power said that uh, if cows were a country that would be the, the fifth most uh, polluting country in the whole world. So that was, yeah. <laughs> that was a good reason. That's something that everyone can do very easily. No, but just, I mean, being, just trying not to fly all over the country, take the cars, I mean, being mindful. Just the easiest thing is plastic. Don't use plastic. Just just take it, take it, buy a, a very nice tote bag and, and use it. Yeah. For grocery shopping, for the, all, all the things, it's, there's, there's many little actions that actually could, can, can really mind, mind a lot to make a real, real difference in our, our, on the planet for the, and for the yeah. planet's future. Miriam, yeah. what is the trait you most deplore in yourself? Oh, my ability to despise people. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... We will have a question about that coming up, but right now the next question is, what is the trait you most deplore in others? <laughs> uh, the lack of, lack of empathy. Yeah. yeah. Now would be a good time for some more empathy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And a good way to, to develop your empathy, to nourish your empathy is reading. I mean, literature is the best antidote yeah. Yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Which living person do you most admire? I would say um, Cédric Arou, who's a, not an intellectual but a, a farmer in France, mm -hmm. who has been who's, who has uh, hosted and uh, sheltered and fed migrants uh, against uh, going against the French law, taking risk uh, for himself, not not out of fame, not for money, just because he thought it was uh, the right thing to do, the human thing to do. So yes, yeah. for for now, for now, it's, it's kind of my hero. Yeah. <laughs> What is your greatest extravagance? I don't know how to travel light, so I think that's 
thinking about it because it's summer, summer is here and vacation are looming in the horizon. And yes, it's uh, every every year I, I tend to I travel with my house. I, I, I've always done that and I, I don't know how to. <laughs> I need everything. <laughs> you need everything. You're the person who arrives with 10 bags and then a few more bags and another bag. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a really close friend and we travel together and she travels like that and I don't. So I actually am the one who gets to carry and check in all the bags. So that's totally fine. So I'm, it seems like a good extravagance to have. <laughs> what is your current state of mind? I'm hoping for a revolution. Yeah. Yeah, well, but I hope hopefully a revolution with a good outcome. Exactly. <laughs> a positive one. But I, yeah, I don't think I will. What do you consider the most overrated virtue? Charity. Hmm. I think there sh shouldn't be need for charity. I think every human being should have his basic need covered. Like, um, he should have a roof over his head, should have food in his plate, should have access to education, to free education and social um, health care. Um, yeah. Uh, protection. That's, yeah. So there shouldn't be need for 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 people to to give to charity. There should be a, it should be part of the society. It should be everyone's duty to make sure that everyone's need is covered. Mm. That's, a, that's really interesting. I've never thought about that, but I do know there's a large um, critique of charity as kind of a form of narcissism. That it makes people feel good about themselves, and that's why there's it keep, they, people keep it in place, so they have a way to keep, make exactly. them feel better. And if you push it a little bit further, you see that if you see who's giving to charity, it's mostly a lot of it is corporate companies who, on the other side, are not paying have benefit from tax deduction and right. are not paying their, their workers the way they should do. And I mean, it's all the for me, it's, it is a very vicious circle. Yeah. It's the origin of a very vicious system. Yeah. Yeah. On what occasion, Miriam, do you lie? Oh, uh, every time I, I feel that I would, it would, that the truth would get me into greater trouble than the, than the lie itself. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a reasonable calculation. I guess you probably don't want to give us any examples to record for the for the general public to hear. Oh yes, I could. I, for instance, I swear to my parents that I would not get out during the lockdown in New York, whereas I've been going to Albertina about three, <laughs> three times a week. <laughs> now your parents will listen to this maybe and find out. No, 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 no. They're, they're not on social media. Okay. <laughs> be careful. This is podcast may reach far and wide, and they may find out that you've been lying for the whole lockdown. You've been, I, mean, you've been, I mean, I, I think I, I may admit the truth. When the, we're almost at the end of the lockdown, I made it. You've been careful in wearing your mask and gloves and socially. Exactly. Okay. Um, Miriam, what do you most dislike about your appearance? My legs. Okay. Really. I think that's the first. That's the first time we've had the answer legs, and of course we can't see your legs on Zoom. I'm no, sure we would agree. <laughs> your opinion? Have you always been self-conscious about your legs, or? Uh, yes, pretty much. Yes, especially and even more after seeing a, a Truffaut movie. You know, <laughs> the one that started with a woman's legs are. It's a very nice uh, quote that opened the. Uh, ne tirez pas sur le pianiste. Tirez sur le pianiste. 
ah. de, de François Truffaut. Les, ouais. les gens des femmes sont des, des compas qui arpentent la, qui arpentent la terre. And I was like, yeah, what about the ones that don't have good ones? <laughs> in, the, he's, in this movie, he's obsessed by, by, uh, by women's leg and always filming them from a... Um, that's it, I mean, that's, that's, yes, no, it's legs. legs. <laughs> well, <laughs> leave it to a French film director to leave a, a, a nice and nice-looking woman with a complex. The next two questions are very gendered, so this is late 19th century. Um, what is the quality you most like in a man? Empathy. Okay. And what is the quality you most like in a woman? Empathy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which words and phrases do you most overuse, do you think? Uh, in French, c'est chouette. And in English, great. Okay. <laughs> So more or less synonyms. So for our non-French speaking listeners, yes, well, you're consistent across the languages. And uh, what or who is the greatest love of your life? Stories. Stories, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that is beautiful. When and where were you happiest? Oh, I think the summer of my 10th, when uh, a family cabin in Denmark and there's nothing to do except playing around. It's completely lost in the, in the land near the sea. And my, my parents had given me the, um, the 101 nights and was oh. three volumes and I loved it. And what I loved the most is by the time I went, I, I finished the third volumes, I'd forgotten the story in the first one. So it was just, <laughs> I checked the whole summer reading just, and my, my parents couldn't, they couldn't deal with it. I was like, remember, enough with the reading. You have to go outside, you have to play. It's the summer. We're going to confiscate the books if you keep going. <laughs> and every day they would, I would hit their breaking points. But yeah, it was the most, it was the greatest summer. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's also very Proustian. You know, the, uh, thousand, the Arabian Nights, as they're often called in English, is one of the most mentioned books in Proust's 4,000-page novel. And he, really? as you know, Miriam, as you know, Uli, uh, Proust mentions a lot of books. Um, and yet the, that, that book, you know, with those kind of endlessly absorbing stories that always present new variations on the theme is one of the most important uh, books within his great book. So it's fascinating to hear that a, a, a future scion of Albertine would start out life with a, uh, a happy memory of, of reading that book over and over. That's, that's wonderful. Terry, can I ask a follow-up question to Miriam? Um, do you think that people right now are already telling stories about our current moment, the lockdown, this pandemic? Do you find that, that people are already creating new stories? I believe so, yes. Uh, I think it was already... The I mean, the fear of the pandemic was also already in the some subconscious of some writers this is, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah I'm, I'm, yes I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that we'll, we'll be we'll be reading <laughs> about this exceptional uh, situation and terrifying situation in the, in the first coming years yeah which talent would you most like to have oh the skill of writing well oh that I would love to <laughs> About everything, yes. If I were able to, yeah, just to, you know, 
tell stories, describe the world as as I see it in a in a in a beautiful way, I would be I would be I would be very happy. That would be my. If, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? If I could be a little, a little bit less sensitive, that would be a, a huge relief. <laughs> hmm. Yes. And you mean sensitive in what way? Um, you know, prompt to be um, a little less prompt to out to be to feeling outraged, to feel to feeling aggressed. Uh, uh, being capable of putting more distance between myself and the world, that would be a, that would be way more comfortable, yes. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like Flaubert, you know, to be able to go in your ivory tower and, and close the door. <laughs> I, I would love to, do, to be able to do that. Yeah, I also think that kind of a kind of heightened sensitivity and makes people very empathic. So it's the flip side of the ability to actually relate to the world in a kind of um, intense Yeah, way. but if you could control it, you yes. know, like say, uh, <laughs> this time it is not worth it. <laughs> and <laughs> just keep right. it for, for the very serious cause, that would, be, that would already be a, a, a great plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to be able to shut out the, the negativity and not have to empathize with all of that oh, maybe yes. all the time. Yeah, and you think Flaubert, uh, do you, I mean, do you think he was an empathic writer? I mean, the power of imagination, obviously, in inventing those characters is incredible. But what do you think about him as a, as a figure of empathy versus distancing, as you said, putting himself in his ivory tower, Gustave Flaubert, looking for the perfect word for everything he wrote? I think he was, by reading his correspondence, I think he, he's... He's been in, in total empathy with, uh, with a few friends, uh, especially at the beginning in his, uh, in his youth. Uh, I, I forgot the name of his best friend. Um, he traveled to Egypt with him. Mm. Uh, but, and here you, you clearly had a sense that they were, <laughs> uh, yes, so close. He was, he was, everything happened to him that happened to his friend was happening to, to Flaubert as well. And, and yeah, as the time, as he, as he grew older, he, he learned how to protect himself. And, he, and when you read the letters to Louis Collet, you feel you, you, you're almost begging for him for being a little bit more empathic. She was writing these beautiful love letters and he was just keeping her at, at arm length and, and yeah. protecting his, protecting his uh, the space he needed to create. Uh, yeah, so he was definitely not, uh, He's not a, I mean, I, I don't think of him as, as a hero in terms of a of political figure or, you know, of, of, even of a writer who was committed to the world. He was definitely not that, but was a genius. My God. I'm, I'm happy he was not because I much prefer reading his books. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so well, he leave it to others <laughs> to defend, uh, to defend the, the novel post. And, yeah. um, you know, as, as a human being, he, he didn't strike me as being especially, uh, especially sympathetic. When, when you read, especially in his correspondence as well, how he was quoting Les, les Frères Goncourt, the Brothers mm -hmm. Goncourt, for instance, that was a bit ridiculous. That, that I felt a bit sorry for him, that he couldn't, that he couldn't get more dignity, you know, and, and uh, we couldn't see that he was way above this, all this literary circus uh, that is completely meaningless. He was, he was really, um, he was in a great, he was really, 
uh, he needed the attention, he needed the recognition and, and, and uh, but at the same time, yes, I mean, it's, it's pros and cons. Uh, for instance, with Madame Bovary, he, he, he stood up for his work and, 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 and was able to, I mean, he was facing the whole, uh, against the whole society and, and, and show courage and, and everything. But that's, yeah, as sometimes I wish he would have been a little bit more noble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I forget, of course I forget him. <laughs> <laughs> you you forgive him but yeah sometimes it's hard to to learn about the personal lives of one's uh you know literary heroes artistic heroes and see that maybe they they could have been better people than they were what do you consider your greatest achievement oh um i think in my in in france in my uh, when i was working as as a publicist i i, I contributed to to help some writers getting the, the recognition they deserve, I think. It mm. took a small capacity. It's a, it's, of course, it's a, it's a group. Uh, it was not only my work, it's a, it's a group team. But I, I think I'm, I made a little difference in that. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. <laughs> cool. If you were to die and come back as a person or a thing, what or who would it be? I think it would be the Odyssey. The yeah. Odyssey. Yes, very <laughs> modestly. <laughs> I won't have to die or disappear again. It's just, oh, that would be nice. <laughs> Where? That must be one of the great answers we've gotten. That is a great I think answer. it is. Really is. <laughs> it also almost sounds like you've thought that before. Like, have you ever sort of... Yes, I was wondering if I, if I could come back as a text, which text would it be? Because I, I don't, you don't want to get bored, you know, it's a text that you need to be able to read and reread and reread all over again. And I think it's, I could leave a few lives in it. <laughs> that, that's for sure. <laughs> that is, that's the, that's the greatest answer. Um, where would you most like to live? It, it changes a lot because I have a tendency every time I travel to a new destination, I say, oh, let's, let's just move there. <laughs> it's perfect. It's paradise. But uh, so, so far, it's uh, yet for now, I think I would say uh, the Lost Coast in California. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. What is your most treasured possession? My eyes. Your eyes. Yeah. Okay. And what do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? Uh, I think it's uh, not being able to provide for your family. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's my biggest, I mean, that would be my biggest fear if I had a family. And uh, I know it was my parents' biggest. I, yes, I think that's a, it's, it's the worst situation ever. Because you're hurting not just for yourself, but for the people you love the most. No, no not because of people I love the most, but because of people who live around me. I, I just, I, I don't know how they, they're going through it. It's, it, it is, uh, it must be completely... I mean, how you take the responsibility to bring new people in the world and you're not able to provide for their own security, for their basic needs. Yeah, I don't know how you, I don't, I, I just, I don't know how you go through that. Yeah. What is your favorite occupation? Reading. <laughs> By far. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> what is your most marked characteristic, do you think? Speaking my mind. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> and what do you most value in your friends? Sense of humor, sense of humor, and of kindness and generosity. Yeah. 
<laughs> Who are your favorite writers? It's, it's impossible to answer. That if I had to pick one, the first one would be, of course, Ingeborg Bachmann. Okay. The oh. Austrian writer. Um, second, it would be poets, mostly. Paul Seelen, mm. uh, Alessandra Pisanic. Uh, mm. I, I love novelists, and I read more novels than I read poetry, actually. But uh, I think the most sublime form of writing is is poetry. Everything is beautiful in a poem. They can't be. Uh, they 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 manage to keep, to limit their writing to the to go down to the essential, and it's every 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 sentence is just like move you to a point that the novel can't can't achieve. It's it's in a novel you you have to go to to a sentence like La Marquise uh, sorti à cinq heures, right? <laughs> you cannot avoid it, and even though there's past passages that are, that are beautiful, you, you, don't, you don't get the, the, the fulgurance that a poem can give you, I think. Yeah. So yeah. I would say yes, and uh, amongst the, the, the works that are most personal to me are Bachmann, Selim, and, and Pizarnik. Okay. Well, the third one, sorry, what's the third author you said? Alessandra Pizarnik. Oh, okay. She's an yeah. Argentinian artist. Um, do you know me? I've no, I've, no one has ever... Um, about Bachmann, it's interesting. It's kind of this um, slightly sort of existential psychological fictions, short stories. So it's quite interesting that you pick that. It's an Austrian writer. It's very unusual. I've never heard anybody really connect that strongly to Bachmann, who was sort of. Uh, it's also extremely political. Yes. I mean, she was a, she was a, she was the daughter of a, a Nazi, and all her work is is can be read in a tension between. Uh, Towards the good, towards the beauty, towards how to achieve and how to how to live through the shame, how to yes, how to live how, uh, how not not the, not the evil but the, the the darkness and and towards the light and it's beautiful. I mean, she's she's also a novelist and and she brought some some of the most beautiful. I mean, my my favorite text I think is Three Paths to the Lake, the last one of the of the collection of short story and. It's just mundane. It's about a woman visiting her her, her father for, um, and noticing that he has aged. She's she's going through a love story that is about to end, and and it's about yes, about that, about time, about about love, the passing of love, the passing of time. It's incredibly beautiful. It's it's so simple. It's almost like a poem in in novels. Well, thank you. I'm going to go back to um, rereading Pachman. I haven't read it in a while. It's quite I, yeah, I, I, think, I think she's one of the most underrated uh, women writer I know, at least. Mm. There must be many others, but... Uh. <laughs> well, who is your hero, your favorite character in fiction, film, television? Some people have more than one. I say I have two. I, I have Ulysses and Joe March. Oh, okay, Ulysses, <laughs> all right, so back to the Odyssey. And, uh, and then do you want to say a little more about Joe March? Yes, I mean, I just, I, it's just, a, it's a novel that I can read, uh, I can read again and again with the same pleasure than the first time I read it. Little Women. I, yes, I, I was 12 the first time I, I read it in, in English. And I was, I just wanted to be part of that family so much. I was going through their ordeal, going through the, and everything, Everything she says about the woman condition is still, uh, I think, somehow still relevant today. Uh, 
about it's just not only about the human woman condition, but human condition, how to the the burden of of you know having to of respecting the social of playing the social game and and feeling of not not fitting there and yeah, it just I felt it it just uh, it resonated with me so more than. It's not the best novel in the world. I, I really, I will give you that. But I can't find another one that keep closer to home. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but I love, I love the combination of Joe March and Ulysses. It's <laughs> 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 the epic tale of leaving one's home and finding oneself, and the other one of being in a home and finding oneself. <laughs> it's, it's the domestic and the epic. It's really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the man who didn't have to obey really any social norms because he could just go from island to island, you know, shape-shifting. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. Also, that's amazing. So you read Little Women in English when you were 12. No, I read it. I first read it in French. You know, I see. In a terrible French translation. It was not even the complete work. I read it later again in, in English for the first time. It was in, a, I, was, I was 16, I think. Okay. I had more, my English was stronger back then, and uh, yeah. But even though, even in this awful French, <laughs> I, I loved it. <laughs> I think, okay, isn't it right, Caroline, or, or Miriam, isn't there a Professor Bear in, that she studies with or something, Joe March? Oh my God, <laughs> I haven't read it in so long. Is there, yeah, yes, do you remember this Professor Bear? Yes. It's, it's a, uh, He's, he's her lover. I mean, he's a, the one that she, yeah. she shall eventually marry, he, yes. He has, oh, my God. And he, has my, he has my name with an A. <laughs> he's a German professor. <laughs> but I think it's in the novel, it's 2E. Yeah. Uh, and 2E, R, and H or something like There's that. There's an H. There's an H somewhere, yeah. H, A, E, R, so he has an extra H. <laughs> <laughs> an extra H. <laughs> an extra H, which is, of course, like uh, like the... You don't pronounce it, so it's really my name. <laughs> Uli, God, I never thought about that. Does that mean, did that book have a special place for you growing up? No, you... because I didn't really read it, actually. I didn't grow up with this book, so I just know I'm just in it. <laughs> so that's right. So it's, it's, yeah, that's actually, I'm going to have to reread it now just with that, since it is my name I, as a German professor. Yeah. <laughs> Which historical figure do you most identify with? That I really, I, I can't, I, I don't identify with historical figures because usually they are, they are, I admire them, but I, I don't put myself at the same, <laughs> I, at the same level. Uh, I would say, I would say Diderot or Martin Luther King. Oh, Diderot or Martin Luther King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Diderot. He's one of the most fantastic person in French history, I think, and he's, yeah. His fight for, for for universal knowledge, for for elevating the human spirit and, and every, everyone's spirit, making making knowledge uh, available to everyone. That's one of the most incredible and remarkable. Uh, and Davio, I think, and Martin Luther King, of course, especially with what he's happening now. Yes. Who are your heroes in real life? And heroes in real life. I would I would go back to um, my first. Uh, to Cédric Haru and all these anonymous persons who are just uh, braving the law and and helping migrants and giving them what they can uh, yeah. to, to, to help them survive. 
So this is a said this is a farmer in France who's feeding migrants against government rules. Yeah, he was uh, he was actually arrested and tried for that. They 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 created a, a, a délit de solidarité. Hmm. Like a solidarity could be enough of offensive. Wow. Um, yes, and there's, there's, there are thankfully there are many people like him doing that in the in the you know in the shadow yeah. <laughs> away from the so from the camera from the media and all that and, and trying to help the best they can and, and these people are really to me they're really few. Yeah. What are your favorite names? Albertino and Balthazar. <laughs> and Balthazar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you, you don't like Albert as much, or Albert doesn't have quite the same appeal? I, I love Albert. I do. I do like the, the sound of Albert more than Albert, especially for because it's, it was it was a generation of like it was a name that was really used in my parents' uh, generation and okay. mostly my grandparents. So uh, for me, it's I, I I keep associating with older person, but uh, yeah. but Albertine, I found it so. It's a charming, a lot of a uh, musical and, uh, and can, you say, can you say something about, I mean, it's the bookstore in Manhattan for French literature, but about the status of Albertine as a character in French culture? Do, does, is that so common that everybody would know? Um, what no, 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 she's a, she's a, first because, also because she's a discreet, I mean, she's an elusive character in, in, La, in Search of Lost Time, so even uh, even uh, people who have read in, uh, in Search of Last Time don't, don't necessarily connect the, the store with um, her name with with uh, with, with the store. She, she's not she's not the first first name that comes to mind when you think of uh, of Proust. Um, but that's what I like about it. It's also because mm. uh, she, mm -hmm. she's 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 uh, everywhere in in the. In, in search of last time and and at the same time not too visible and that's where we, what we would like to be too you know in everyone's uh, bookshelves <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somewhere all around the city but uh, discreet yeah caroline and i were at a conference at columbia university where uh, caroline presented on the dutch of uh, whose duchess her book and and carson the poet read uh, the albertine workout which was yes. a little Tiny, which I love, these little vignettes imagine Albertine's life kind of outside of the novel. It's quite beautiful, I think. Yeah, it, it was one of, a, it, it's been one of our bestsellers. Okay. I think mostly, I mean, some people, of course, knows and know and Carson and, and want to read the text, but that, I think also because people were, thought they would, they would find information on the bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That is funny, and that's we don't say anything. I love this kind of misunderstanding. <laughs> you know, so I I totally agree with you. Actually, I I translated um, Wilke's letters a long time ago, and I said in the introduction, if people read the right books for the wrong reasons, they're still reading the right books. <laughs> exactly. So. And I always thought if they pick up the book because they misassociate something and then they read the right book, that's a blessing. That's a wonderful thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a good principle. I remember the first book I ever wrote was um, based on my dissertation from graduate school and it was about the reign of terror, you know, the very bloody radical period of the French Revolution in, the, in 1793, 1794. 
And while I was finishing the manuscript, um, a few months before the book was supposed to come out, the Twin Towers fell in Manhattan. And the book was called Terror and Its Discontents. And I called my editor and said, this just seems so stupid. Why? Who would want to read a book now about the reign of terror when we're all worried about a very different kind of terror? And he said, oh, no, I think it's great. Maybe some people <laughs> will buy it because they think it's about 9-11. <laughs> so, I think in his business, he had to hope that some, good, some sales would come from anywhere. I'm not sure that anybody bought it anyway, but it was one of those things, Uli, where my, my editor was very much hoping that people would buy it for the wrong reasons. So yeah, I mean, I'm glad yes. to, I didn't even know you could buy the Albertine workout as a separate little work. It's like in a booklet form. Yes, a New Direction published it. It's, they made a beautiful uh, edition of it. Uh, it's like a little, almost like a little cahier, a little notepad. It's, uh, um, it's like five paperback. Five, yeah, five tiny little, like almost little bound little paper books. And I think they come in a little case or something. It's very, it's very charming. Isn't that something? Or maybe that's another one of hers. Uh, or maybe they made a, a, I don't know this edition. The one I have is, is, a, is like a very, very thin paperback. And, um, but yeah, almost, a, how do you say it? Um, like a notebook almost. Yes, yeah, like a notebook. Yes, a blue notebook. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I want to order that from the Albertine uh, online <laughs> store. I didn't even know. I have it saved in like a PDF somewhere, but that's that's wonderful to know. What is it, Miriam, that you most dislike? Uh, cynicism and vomit. So I can't compete with any of it. <laughs> cynicism and vomit. 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 I can't. I had more letters. Same reaction to it. It's pretty. Uh... What is your greatest regret? Oh, that year I spent studying medicine. I was completely lost. Really? Yeah. Yes. I didn't know you'd studied medicine. When yes, was that? It's, it has absolutely, yeah. And no, it helped me in organizing my work. In, in, this, in that sense, it was, it was a good thing. We had to work a lot and it was, gave me some sense of efficiency. But other than that, it was, it was terrible. It was really terrible, yeah. How would you like to die? Peacefully. If I could die reading a book, that would be really nice. But... Uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, but peacefully, yes, I could die peacefully. Yeah, I don't have any requirement in it. Yeah, while yeah, reading yeah. a book would be nice. Yes. Um, do you have a uh, what is your motto? Hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> Hang in there. <laughs> That's a good one. That is. Uh, yeah, we could all use a little bit of that that esprit, uh, <laughs> especially today. Um, okay, so Miriam, we've added one question to the Proust questionnaire as it was originally uh, printed and answered, which was, who would you most like to hear as a guest on this podcast? And it, ideally, it would be somebody alive so that Uli and I could maybe ask them to, to come and talk to us. Is there anybody who you'd love to hear answer these questions? Oh, um, that's a good question. I would go for Annie Arnaud. I would love to hear her answers. Uh, oh, yeah. That. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Do you think she would, as so a great French writer, do you think she would talk to us? Oh, uh, I think we could try. <laughs> we could definitely try, yes. So oh, she'd be amazing. Say one thing for our listeners who may not have read. So she wrote, um, I think, The Years, it's called yes. in English, or Annie Arnaud. Can you just say something about her as a writer? Because she's a really 
major writer for so many people now, but I think in America maybe hasn't quite made that breakthrough. Oh, I don't know. She's, yes, uh, I, I, I think now she's, and I was happy to see that uh, she, at least she's got the recognition from her peers, uh, uh, writers like Zadie Smith, DP, admire her, and uh, she got some excellent reviews for the last book that was translated here. I think she's, in France, she's, she's fundamental in the sense of writing about, I mean, first, I, because how the way she articulates, I think, the individual experience and a description and, and a portrait of the society, it's, it has, it, for me, so far, it's, it really has been a match. What she did with the years is really a, that is really, it's really a literary achievement. Uh, and the way she talks about the mutation of uh, the society, about uh, the shame of be, being, you know, of uh, outgrowing your, your own social class. She was born in a working class where there were absolutely no books at home and becoming a professor, going to teach at university and all that. And also about thinking about a woman, about uh, her life as a, as a woman, being married, being divorced, having kids. And, and the way she managed to talk about all this is um, profoundly, I think, innovative, modern, uh, moving all the time, and honest, and, and never, never, she, she, she's never pulling the, the wrong chords. I mean, she, she's never she's never being miserabilistic. I'm I'm really a, I'm I'm really in awe of her of her work. And uh, yeah, I think it, it it's gonna stay. Yeah, she's yeah. a great guest to have. I think I'd be a great great person to answer these yeah. questions. Yeah. Oh yes. I definitely. I I could I I can if you if you want I could try to we could we, I could definitely put you in touch with her with her um, American publisher and her French publisher oh. for to I don't have her contacts. No, it's even just the idea is great. But yeah, if you have the publisher contact info, that's that's wonderful. And but most of all, it's just the you know the idea when we when we have guests on this podcast, it's because we're particularly interested to know what they care about, what they think about, what they love, what they value. So adding that question to us has been. Um, uh, really a pleasure. And so we appreciate your answering that and answering all of these questions today oh, during the lockdown. No, thank you. It was, a, it was a lot of fun and a, a great pleasure. Thank you for having me as a guest. It was lovely talking to you. I miss you so much. I miss you too. Well, <laughs> oh, I want to see you in person soon. Yeah. yeah. I hope so. Thank you so much. And now I imagine that I hope you can recreate your, where you would be happy, a little cabin in the country just filled with books. <laughs> doing this lockdown. I hope you'll find a little opportunity this summer to go there, maybe. Something like that. I, I hope Airbnb will gonna help my, yeah. <laughs> help me in my quest. <laughs> but yes. So we really want to thank you for being on the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.